You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Kingsway, why don't you stand to your feet? We got a lot of worshiping to do this morning, all right? We've got worship, we got baptism, it's gonna be a great Sunday. So I want you all to sing as loud as you can. Feel free to raise your hands, dance, whatever you need to do to worship our God this morning, all right?
Good morning. Good morning, Kingsway. We are so excited you're here. My name's Danielle. You can grab a seat, but I gotta tell you, you're not gonna be sitting for long today. It's a special Sunday. We're gonna do a lot of worshiping, as Morgan said. I can't wait to tell you more about it, but before we get there, I wanna say a special hi and a special welcome to those maybe visiting Kingsway for the first time. Maybe it's just your second or third time. Uh, maybe you're tuning in online and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for making time. Thank you for taking it, this big step. We've all had that first day in church moment and it's hard and it's weird. You're not quite sure what to do. Maybe you don't know what to do with your arms. You're like, I don't know. Do I up or down or do I sit or stand? And we're just, we're thankful that you're here joining us today. And if you'd like to get connected and, and just learn a little bit more about Kingsway, you can text the word connect. You'll see it there on your screen, 317-565-4911. Text that word to that number and one of our team will reach out to you this week and just say hi and try to make this big church just feel a little bit smaller. So we talk about our app a lot. And we do that because it's a great tool. You can have it right on your smartphone uh, and be connected with the different things that are happening in our church because there's just so much. There's important news and updates that you'll catch in there. There's big events that are coming down, you know, and down, down the pike as the expression goes. And we want you to know about them. Next Saturday, for instance, we have a campus work day, a chance to come together as a church and steward, which is a funny old-fashioned word. It just means take care of, you know, be, be good decision makers when it comes to the building and the grounds that God's blessed us with. So come on out, sign up for that. In August, we have a block party where we're going to bless the socks off our community and love our neighbor, which is something you guys love to do and do so well. So look for more details on that in the app. Sign up to be a part. We can't wait to celebrate those moments with you. And like I said today, we're focusing on Psalm 150, which is all about celebrating and praising our great God. And we can't wait to do that with you. And there's so much to celebrate today. We have a total of six baptisms this morning. Six. Yes. Celebrate. We had two at nine. Four more coming here. Just a few minutes. They're backstage getting ready. We're celebrating because we finally, this week, you guys, closed on that Plainfield land that we voted on a couple of months ago. That 22 acres is, has been sold, or we get to reinvest that money and accomplish our vision, reducing that debt so we can continue to thrive spiritually here and invest in the ministries to help people give their life to Jesus like they're going to do here just just a few minutes. It's so exciting. So we're going to read Psalm 150 together. We've got it on the screens, or you can break out your, um, your Bible app like I'm going to do to read from... And just let those words sink in. Let them sink in. You ready? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Woo! Let's get ready to worship. Let's go. Stand up.
church. We're going to get loud in here, all right? I want you all to sing. Come on. I search the world, but it shouldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures of fade. Never enough. You came along. Put me back together. Every desire is now satisfied.
Church, I got great news. We have four baptisms this service. Isn't that awesome? So turn your attention to the baptism. We're going to celebrate these four new lives in Christ. It is so good. Thank you, Morgan. We are so excited. Uh, this is my friend Jan, who I met last week. And she said the last several Sundays, she's been making a beeline to get out of here because she's been feeling the tug to be baptized by immersion. She was sprinkled as a Methodist growing up, but she said, I I'm ready. I want to take this step. We're ready. You're here. All right? Yes. You repeat after me. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. I receive him. I receive him. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. All right. Based on your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. This next family... Just started coming to Kingsway around Mother's Day. This is Kyle, Danielle, and Haley. You want to come out so you can watch too? This is a, a dad, a mom, and a daughter. And they've just fallen in love with Jesus. They're going to be part of Rooted so that they can grow their faith uh, starting in August. And it's just been a pleasure to get to know them through Starting Point. And so today's the day. You ready, Kyle? Yep. All right. Repeat after me. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept him now. Except my Lord and Savior. Savior. Alright, based on your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Alright, Danielle, you ready? ready. Alright, repeat after me, I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of living God. And I accept him now. My Lord and Savior. Savior. Alright, based on your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is Ayla. You ready? You're moving? You ready to go? Alright. Repeat after me. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. And I accept him. I accept him. My Lord and Savior. All right, based on your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, we're not done singing yet. Stand back up. We're going to celebrate these new lives in Christ so good that we got so many baptisms today. This is six total today. That's awesome. We're going to respond to this moment, all right?
go ahead. <laughs> Let's go ahead and be seated. Thank you, thank you. What an amazing Sunday. We're so glad you're here if you're visiting with us today. I grew up in the church, and I know that's not true for everybody in here. So when I was a kid growing up, we would do something called Kids Church. And uh, a lot of times we had um, like gender uh, segregation going on. And so because girls had cooties, the boys all sat on one side of the room and girls all sat on the other side of the room. And uh, there was a song that we would sing. And if you grew up in church, you may have learned it. Maybe Girl Scouts or something else learned it too, but probably not. But it went like this. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And one side would sing that really loud. And then the other side would respond with, if you know it, praise ye the Lord. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing about the song is, I think the leaders were trying to teach us how to praise the Lord. But anybody who was a kid at church who sang the song knew it was about winning. At the end of the day, it did not matter what, what really the point was. If you yelled the loudest, you won. And so we measured the success of the song based off how loud we shouted together. And so then you would do this. It didn't matter. You wanted the praise ye the Lord because it's a little easier to be loud that way. But even if you're on the other side, it'd be like, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Everybody go, praise ye the Lord. And then hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Then that was their turn. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. And we just yell back and forth. Then we get to the end. We look at each other. We go, yeah, we won and we clap like crazy, right? Been there? Some of you are like, <laughs> that was my childhood too. Okay, you're old, great. Anyway, like me, why am I saying that? Because I think there's something in that song, as silly as it was for kids, I think there's something in the song that we've lost. Shouts of praise. Shouts of praise. And we aren't shouting because we're trying to beat the other people. We're shouting because we know with absolute certainty, absolute confidence, our God is with us. So if you've been here for the last handful of weeks or so, we've been walking through the book of Psalms and we're not done yet. This doesn't conclude our series, but we are going to the very end of the Psalms in Psalm 150, the last Psalm. Now I'm gonna teach on the Psalm a little bit throughout the morning as we go, but one little nugget I want you to hang on to is the entire Psalms as a collection of say poems or, or songs. Many of the poems were put to music. Some of them tell us who was to write the music, which instruments they wanted evolved. Some of them we know the author, some of them we have no clue. But we are now in a section, the last five Psalms, Psalms 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150. And each of these Psalms is a Psalm of praise. And all of them begin and end the exact same way. Take a look at me. Psalm 150. Let's just read it together and we'll see how it begins and it ends. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for her surpassing greatness. Praise him with the resounding of the trumpet. Sorry, the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Shouts of praise, right? Thank you. I was waiting. All right. It was going to be awkward if I had to wait much longer. But this Psalm 150 begins and ends with the same word. And every Psalm, 146 to 150, all of them begin and end with the same word. And the word is hallelujah. And you're like, I've heard that one before. I have no idea what I'm saying, but I've heard that one before. Hallelujah is a call, a command to praise. And the end of that particular word, Yah, is directly referring to God's divine name. 
The divine name is the name that God gave to Moses, the name that he would be called for every generation, the name that the Israelites dared not take lightly. Perhaps if you grew up in the church, you've heard the Ten Commandments, right? And one of those Ten Commandments is not to take the Lord's name in vain, right? Especially if you learn the King James Version. But what it literally means is not to bear the name lightly, not to make light of God. The idea is the Israelites, and now those of us who are in Christ Jesus, would carry the weight of the name. We would bear the name. So it's not a small deal when we call ourselves Christian. But even bigger than that is the name would be so critical and so important that Israelites, Jewish people, Hebrews, they would not say the name out loud because they didn't want to say it wrongly. They didn't want to make light of it. This was a really big deal for me in February when I went over to Israel and I ended up on the way back on a plane next to a Jewish lady who lived in, I believe it was Newark, it might have been New Jersey. I can't remember now. They're all new. Anyway, and uh, we were talking back and forth, and there came a couple moments where I'm trying to help her understand why I believe Jesus is the Messiah. And we would get right up to the divine name, and I would almost say it. I would almost slip. Because for me, I don't have a problem calling God by the name he told us to call him. I can praise him with that name without making light of it, without making vain of it, but you must be very careful. I don't know if you know the name, but the name is, we don't even know exactly how to pronounce it, by the way. We think the best possible translation or pronunciation of the name is Yahweh. Yahweh. And do you hear it? Hallelujah. It was the Jewish person's way of saying the divine name without saying the divine name so that when they called us into praise, they would be doing it while being respectful of God's awesomeness and power and might and glory. And that's a really, really important phrase when we get into Psalm 150. Not only do all of these psalms begin and end with the same phrase, but they are a call and a command. See, as you read the Psalms, you find that there are highs and there are lows. There are Psalms of repentance, as we covered for David, when he absolutely blows it. There are plenty of other Psalms that talk about why so downcast, oh my soul, put your trust in God. There are Psalms that talk about bad days and fear. We're surrounded by our enemies. We don't know what's gonna happen, help us. And yet, in the midst of the highs and in the midst of the lows, we are called to conclude all of it with hallelujah, hallelujah. How can I praise God when it doesn't seem like there's anything worth praising him for? And that's where Psalm 150 gives us a little bit of insight. Take a look with me. Psalm 150, verse one. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. See, just in case you're not sure what all that encompasses, the answer is everything. Everything. Everything on heaven or in heaven and on earth. Everything. That's literally everything. The idea here is there is a world outside of the world that we could see. Outside of the physical, there's a spiritual world. And it is real and it is happening all around us. And in heaven, they're literally gathered together right now singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they are praising God with loud voices. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, we are actually told that all of heaven rejoices over just one sinner who repents. One, just one sinner who repents. Today, we had six total people, four in this service, two in the last one, surrender, give their lives to Jesus. And man, I wonder, yes, yes. If we could peel back heaven, what would it look like? And here's what goes through my head. Okay, how many are there? 
don't know. Some English translations at some point say multitudes. Some say multitudes upon multitudes. Some English translations use the word throngs. I don't even know what a throng is. If you don't say that one right, you end up in really dangerous places. A throng. It's like there's so many. And then I think, okay, so if all of heaven, it says all, if all of heaven is rejoicing over one sinner who repents, what is it like constantly in heaven? Because there are roughly 8 billion people in the world. That sun keeps moving around the planet. If you haven't noticed, this comes all the way back around again tomorrow at the same time. It'll be right where it is today, basically. What's going on? There are people in every tribe and tongue and language to the ends of the earth who are meeting Jesus. So what if heaven never stops rejoicing because people never stop meeting God? Wouldn't that be so cool to just think about and ponder? Except not everybody on that world is in a great season, are they? Just this week, I went over to a friend's house and took some oil with me and anointed them and prayed for God to heal them. That's a massive, massive medical undertaking coming up. I sat with another friend this week and we cried together. We talked about some heavy stress and pain going on in his personal and family life. See, while all of heaven is rejoicing right now, life is not always filled with rejoicing. And the Psalms help us deal with that. Look at verse two. Psalm 150, verse two. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. See, the first verse tells us where to be praised, everywhere. The second verse tells us why do we praise him. Notice his acts of power. When are those acts taking place? Well, some are past tense, some are present tense, and some are yet to be future tense. And we don't always know exactly what God is going to do with what we're bringing to him, but the Psalms remind us through the highs and through the lows, we're still to praise him because we know who he is. We trust his character. He is great. He is surpassingly great. We trust his character. We know his power. And at some point in the past, we've seen it, though we may have lost sight of it. We may have forgotten it. It may have slipped out of our head because in this moment, this thing seems really big and really powerful. But back then, that thing seemed really big and really powerful. And he showed up and he dealt with that one sufficiently. So trust him in this one as well. Later in the future, let's call it a thousand years, we don't know exactly, hundreds of years in the future, a guy named Saul, <clears throat> whose name is changed to Paul, he writes about this very thing in Philippians chapter four. If you know where that is, you can go with me. Otherwise, I'm just gonna read this to you. I don't have this on the screen. But Paul is trying to encourage a church in Philippi. Now, if you don't know anything about Philippi, it's in the area of Macedonia. And Macedonia is a very poor area. In fact, at one point, Paul is writing and he's talking about these churches from Macedonia who though they had nothing, they were poor, they wanted to take part in the work of God. So they gave sacrificially and generously. And Paul even tried to talk about it. He's like, you don't need this. Trust me, God loves you. God's for you. You don't need to do this. And they're like, why would you take away our joy? Why would you take away the honor of doing this? And Paul's like, wow, these people are on fire for me. And they are so excited, even though they're gonna face tremendous pain and pressure. 
And see, that's the tension that we all hold when we come to God. God is not promising to take everything away from us. Never. Jesus even says, while in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. And Paul's advice in Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. When I'm doing marital counseling, and even when my wife and I are coaching our kids, we, we say you got to get rid of what we call shotgun phrases. That's like always and never. You know, if you look at somebody and say, you always do that, they're going to look for the one time they didn't, and they're going to stop listening to you, right? You never, oh, well, I remember 18 years ago. And so we got to take those languages. But Paul's like, no, 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 no. Rejoice in the Lord only when it's good. Now, when do we rejoice in the Lord? Always, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? The Lord is near. The reason that I'm able to rejoice regardless of what I'm facing, the reason the Psalms can conclude with five straight Psalms, it's not the Psalms are not at all ignoring the hardships of life. Read your Psalms, it's all over. It's because even in the hardships of life, I am calling on the character of the one who is near, very near, right here, kind of near, with me, in the room. Sometimes when I'm doing my quiet time, I like to envision that God is in the empty chair next to me. Sometimes when I'm walking in the woods and I'm talking to God, I like to picture him just walking along and talking with me. He is so very near. It may feel like he's not, but that's the problem. Our feelings. See, the simple truth is you can't trust your feelings. Don't get me wrong. Your feelings may save you from a dangerous situation, right? You may have a feeling or a thought like, oh, I should probably turn here. I should not go there. I should stop doing that. Or that person's creepy. I should probably put some boundaries up, right? Or whatever it might, you know what I'm talking about. You met that guy. Anyway, you may have that thought. But what I would suggest to you is don't confuse the word from the Holy Spirit whispering to you to do something and a feeling itself. Because see, feelings aren't trustworthy. Feelings come and feelings go. We have to take our feelings and bring them to the Lord in faith and say, God, I know you're near. I don't feel safe. I don't feel like you're gonna take care of me. I don't feel like I know how it's gonna work out, but I know what the truth is. And I'm gonna hang on to that. And I'm gonna worship you through it. In fact, that's exactly what Paul gets to. Take a look, Ephesians 4. If you have a Bible, you know what it is. Don't worry about it if not. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Paul, you've got to stop using these phrases. Isn't there a little snippet of something I could be anxious about? Look, I'm preaching to myself here, okay? I don't care if any of y'all are listening. I am talking to me, Matt Nickerson right now. Do not be anxious about anything. You don't, you, when you say it, you don't have any idea what I'm facing. That's the only reason you're saying it. You, you don't know what I'm going through. You, you are right. You are right. You are right. I don't have any idea what you're going through. But the one who is near, he does. And Paul says, the reason you cannot be anxious is because you know he's near. So what do we do with it? Like, it doesn't change how I feel. I still feel anxious. I still feel scared. I still feel afraid. I still feel overwhelmed. I still feel angry. So then what do we do with it? 
Paul's not unclear on this one. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Prayer and, what's that second word? Petition. You know what a petition is, right? You ever turn on the news? Petition is where you make a billboard before God, maybe not literally, although some people make prayer walls and prayer lists and put them up. Okay, God, here's what I'm praying for. Some people will date those. On this day at this time, this is what I prayed for. And then I prayed for it again on this day and this time, and I prayed for it again on this day. That's a petition. A petition is I didn't just pray once, like, okay, it's off my chest, it's off my hands, now it's on you, God. It's no God. I'm gonna keep knocking on heaven's door because I know you're in there <laughs> and I know you're listening and I know you're paying attention. So I'm gonna keep asking and I'm gonna keep asking and I'm gonna keep asking until you give me an answer. And if your answer is no, we're gonna have to talk about it. But I'm still gonna keep asking. And I'm gonna keep asking until you move. We are actually told to keep asking. It pleases God when we keep asking because the faith of keep asking is, God, I'm not just gonna be lazy and throw a prayer up there and hope that it works, but God, this is so important to me, I'm gonna keep opening my mouth. Prayers and petitions, but then there was one other tiny little word in there. Did you hear it? With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How can I be thankful in a time like this? And the answer is quite simple. Paul's already said it, because God is near. Remember in Psalm 150, praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him for his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Mighty acts. See, the reason I can have peace right now, the reason that I can keep asking right now is because I've seen him act. I know what he's capable of. I've read about it in stories of other people. I've seen it in my parents' lives. I've seen it in my wife and my life. I've seen it in my kids' life. I've seen it in really big things that I can't explain. I've seen it in little things, but I've seen it. And I've seen it. And he wants to do it again and again and again. Paul says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You are not gonna figure this one out. You aren't smart enough, no offense, I'm not either. You aren't tall enough, nobody ever worried whether I was that or not. You aren't strong enough, you don't have enough money God and God alone does. So we come to him in faith and we trust him to provide. And why can we have peace in this circumstance? It's quite simple. It's because he is near. It's because he is listening. It's because he has the resources. It's because he can do it again. It's because he can get it done. And so I have peace because the peace is not in my ability to get it done and my ability to perform. The peace is in his ability to get it done. It's in his ability to perform. It's in his surpassing greatness. That's where my peace comes from. It comes from taking this deep breath and saying, the reason I'm knocking on your door, God, is because I know I can't do it. And this is a moment of surrender. This is super, super important. We often throw the word worship around as if it's this universal term that means the same thing as praise or bless or glory. It doesn't. It's a completely separate word. The word worship literally has to do with surrender. 
Worship is literally this moment where we come in and we come under God and his authority and his power and his might, and we worship him with ourselves. In fact, this is what Paul's building on in Romans chapter 12, one and two, when he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It's different than your spiritual act of praise. It's a completely different thing because in worship, we're submitting and surrendering. But when we praise with thanksgiving, what we're doing is we're calling out to God and saying, I have seen, I have heard, I am testifying to your goodness and your power and your grace. Oh, that diagnosis is still sitting there. The family struggle, it's still real. The tensions, I don't know what to do with. The business stuff, it's real, God. But I'm calling on the one one who is able. Yeah, you can clap for God. I love when y'all clap. And my peace comes from that confidence. So I don't know where you are right now. And this message may land in a thousand places. But what I want to do is take a moment where you're able to come up into daddy's lap and just be there and have the peace that passes all understanding wash over you. So we're gonna take communion. I'm gonna ask you to take out your communion cups. And we're not done singing. We got more praise to give. I'm taking all that I've said and, and, and just bringing it to bear in this moment. Some of you, some of you need to come into this moment and for the first time ever, you need to open your mouth and you need to ask God to intercede in your life. And you need to bring it to him and say, God, I'm knocking on your door for the first time. I need you to do this. Would you do this? I don't know how, I need you to do this. Some of you are gonna come into his presence and this might be the 10th time or the 50th time or the 100th time, but it's a petition. And maybe something in you wanted to give up. Something in you is like, I'm tired of praying this prayer. Nothing is happening. And see, you can't see what he's doing. And so you're feeling tired and frustrated. And I'm, I'm just challenging you right now. Open your mouth back up and pray it again. Pray it one more time. And some of you are in a really good place and you don't have a specific, you're like, as I'm saying this, you're like, I don't have a thing. Oh, you do. Your thing is to praise, to thank him. In fact, I wanna challenge everybody in here, before you close your communion time, say thank you for at least three things, three things that God has done. God, thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for the fact that I have a car full of gas in the tank. God, thank you for a house and a roof over my head. Thank you even for your thunder and lightning that wakes us up in the middle of the night. Praise God. Thank you, God, for squirrels and bunny rabbits. Between the services, I looked out this back door over here, just a tiny baby little bunny eating the grass. I'm like, God, you provided for the bunny today. Thank you, God, for bunnies. Whatever it is, whatever it is, just praise him. I'll start a prayer and I'll hand it to you. Father God, thank you for meeting us in this place. And God, as we pray these prayers, hear these cries for help. God, for some of us who've been praying and praying and praying and we're ready to give up because we think you're not listening. God, it is not about our feelings. Our feelings lie to us. God, help us to trust in faith that you are listening and you are near. Open our mouths yet again to ask. And God, for all of us, all of us, may we open our mouths to praise you. May you receive this praise. May you be lifted high in this place. In Jesus' name.
gonna teach you a new song right now. It's called Highlands. And you may know it, you may not know it, but that's okay. Wherever you're at, just lift your voice, lift your hands, just feel God's presence in this moment and hear him speak to you through this song, church. If the mountains were where you hide Oh, how far I'd scale the valleys If you grazed the other side Oh, how long have I chased rivers From lowly seas to where their eyes Against the rush of grace from the source of its supply Cause in the highlands and the heartache You're neither more or less inclined I would search and stop at nothing You're just not that hard in my way You're the sun where my feet are So I will praise you in the valleys all the same No less God within the shadow No less faithful when the night leads me astray You're the heaven where my heart is In the high and the high call the same. 
be seated in the highlands and the heartache. That's where we find our God. And we praise him on both. This is why the Psalms conclude this way. The Psalms do not deny the hardships of life. The Psalms embrace them and say, our answer is still to sing our way through it. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. This next section shows us the call to praise. I want you to imagine a people, hundreds of thousands, surrounding a, a central location, a temple or a tent or something where God is. And imagine that all of a sudden, the call to praise, you know, at least in England, maybe a couple hundred years ago, it would be a clock and the clock would kind of gong and it'd be like, all right, it's time to go and worship. But in ancient Israel, it was the musicians which were almost always the, the, the priests and the Levites because they're the ones who had time to learn it, to sing. And they would gather together. Now imagine a blaring of a horn. Imagine the clashing of the cymbals. Imagine all this ruckus, but joyful ruckus in tune being blared out. And whatever you're doing, you just drop it and you gather together and you start singing praises to your God. That's what Psalm 150 is picturing. And I don't know exactly what heaven's gonna look like. The day that I find out, it'll be too late to tell you. Okay, so you're gonna have to find out for yourself. But there are these little glimpses of heaven that we get throughout scripture, enough to tell me it's gonna be awesome. Paul, who got to see it briefly, he's like, it's too wonderful for words. I literally cannot describe it for you. Whether he's bound from describing it or there just aren't words in the language to describe it, he cannot tell us about it. But he's like, it's awesome. But there's one thing we know, there's gonna be a lot of singing in heaven. Now, if what you picture of heaven is people sitting on clouds, playing harps and singing holy, holy, holy all day long, you didn't read enough of your Bible. Now, I don't know if everything I'm about to tell you is 100% accurate. I'm taking some of what I know to be accurate, mixing it with my ADHD brain, and I'm spitting it out. So I just want to hold that a grace, right? I'll always try to tell you when it's my opinion. But we know that there's a work to do in heaven. 
Work existed before the fall in Genesis, which we're going to cover Genesis here in just a few weeks. We're going to begin from the beginning and work our way to the end. And I'm so excited. Okay, let's set that aside, all right? ADHD, see? And so there was work in the garden before sin, and we are told that in Revelation, when everything is being restored, it's a lot like the garden again. There will be work to do in heaven, but the work will somehow be unique to our gifts and our callings and specifically how God made us. And I don't know what it's going to be like. Here's what I hope. I hope God lets me do this. I want to spend eternity studying him so that I can teach other people about it. And I imagine like I've got my own little congregation. This is probably not all how it's going to go, right? This is probably heresy, and I just don't know it. But I can't wait to just study him. I mean, he's an infinite God. Eternity will not be enough time to study the depths of his glory and wisdom and knowledge and power and grace and love. And I can't wait to just learn a little snippet and go like, oh, I just learned this new thing, guys. Come here, come here, come here. Let's gather together. And you know what we're going to gather is the instruments are just going to start playing. And everybody's going to stop what they're doing. They're going to put down their, their pickaxe or they're going to put down their guitar. They're going to put down their whatever it is they're doing, their thing. And they're going to put it down. We're just gather together and we're just going to sing. And you're like, how will we get anything done? You have eternity. You ever think about it? Your entire life right now is bound up in frustration by the fact that you have a very finite amount of time. You have a finite amount of energy, right? Aren't you always frustrated? If I just had a little bit more of me to give, if I just had that third arm sticking out somewhere, right? If I just had, you know, four legs or two heads or whatever it is, like if I just had a double, a clone of me, I could do so much more. You are constantly frustrated by the fact that you are bound. But in heaven, imagine being unbound. Imagine having no limit on time. Imagine looking at some project you're doing for God and the community and go, you know what? I'll get to it later. Why? Because we got plenty of time and I'm not worried about it. And all of a sudden, we just stop everything and we just gather together and we just sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Psalm 150. Verse six, let everything, where's the where the Bible goes again? It just keeps saying everything and everyone and all the time. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There's this one moment, Jesus is walking along and I think he's a little frustrated at the people who won't acknowledge that the signs and the miracles that he's performing are unable to be performed by magicians. I was just at two weeks of middle school camp, and what I did is I took a deck of cards with me because I found it's a really great way to get to meet middle school kids. If you just walk up and say, hey, you want to you learn a magic trick? And so then I would just do a magic trick, and then I'd say, what's your name? And I'd start talking to them, and then all week long, they'd bring their friends up. They'd want to see the magic trick. And like, dance, monkey, okay, here's the trick again. And anyway, um, it was fun. It was a blast. But there's a trick in all of them. I would even look at them and be like, how are you doing that? I'd be like, I'll tell you this. I don't know magic. There's no such thing. It's all a trick. But with Jesus, there's no trick. There's no there's no magic, only miracle. And the reason that's powerful is he's doing these miracles and people are not believing. Not all people, but some of the religious elite and others, they just will not believe. And he says, here's the thing. If you choose to stay silent, the rocks and the trees will cry out. You ever heard a rock make noise? I grew up in the 80s. I'm not necessarily proud to say that, but we had these little things called pet rocks. Some of you all are over 42. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Somebody got this genius idea of taking a rock, sticking it in a small box with fake grass and naming it a pet. And because I had an older sister, she loved to tease me relentlessly. 
So she would talk to the rock and act like the rock was talking to her, and she named the rock. She'd act like she was walking the rock. She would get upset when she left the rock behind. She was doing, I'm convinced the whole thing was just to mess with me because I'd stare at the rock and be like, it's not doing anything. And Jesus says, oh, it is. And if you stop singing, it'll sing in your place. Now, are we to take Jesus literally? I, I, I don't know, but I think the implication is huge. The creation knows its creator. And there is literally no doubt in the creation's mind. And if you could hear it, they are singing. They're singing. And Jesus says, if everything that has breath stops praising me, don't worry about it. My worship will go on. Because the stars, the birds, your dog or cat, the otters, they all know me. And they're praising that's the God that we sing to when we sing, the God who is infinitely able. I told you earlier, there are, this book of Psalms ends with five Psalms and they all start and end with hallelujah, hallelujah. This command, this call to praise Yahweh. But the Psalms begin with two Psalms, which we're gonna look at, I think it's next week. We're gonna look at Psalm one. And it's kind of like an intro and a conclusion to the book. Now, when you get into the middle there, from Psalm 30 all the way to Psalm 145, there are five books, five chapter breaks within there. You probably didn't even know that. If you're ever opening up your Bible and it says book one, book two, book three, many of your Bibles will have that. That's why it says that. And the reason we know to mark each of those sections is because each of those sections has the exact same phrase in the Hebrew right there. You don't always see it in the English, but here's the phrase according to one translator. It's at Psalm 41. In case you want to look this up, you're like, does pastor know what he's talking about? Psalm 41, Psalm 72, Psalm 89, Psalm 106, Psalm 145. I don't have time to go over all those again. You can go back and look at them yourself. Here's the phrase. May the Lord, the God of Israel, be blessed forever and ever. Amen and amen. May the Lord, the God of Israel, be blessed forever and ever. Amen and amen. Why does it conclude each section of a book with the same phrase? The reason that it does is because no matter what's going on in that particular book, some books are books of wisdom where we're challenged to think about the way we're living life. Some books are books of praise. Some books are books focused on repentance. Some of these books are focused on just lamenting and life is hard and where are you, God? And at the conclusion of all of those experiences of life, all of them is the same phrase. May the Lord, the God of Israel be blessed forever and ever amen and amen because he alone is our rock and he alone is our shield and so we cry out to him knowing no matter what's going on he is good i want you to stand with me and we're going to sing one last song this morning and i want to read this little phrase over you one last time may the lord the god of israel be blessed forever and ever. Amen and amen. Let's sing.
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's you and me. Can we give it up for God again today? All these lives changed. Praising the Lord Almighty. I love this series. I love getting handles on how to pray to God using the book of Psalms. We have those daily prayer cards updated for this week for Psalm 150, giving him praise for every little thing, whether it's your home, having a car with air conditioning, have a job, having lunch today. Those are from God, that's awesome. We can give him praise for that. If you wanna find out more about Kingsway, maybe you wanna get connected, stop by our Connect Hub. We've got a new group started called Rooted. Help you get connected with God, help you get connected with each other. It's amazing. Talk to the Connect team, they're here for you. We love you guys, keep pursuing Jesus. Give it up.